The phrase, thoughts and prayers, is a staple for most people of faith. We often speak it as we look for words of comfort, strength, or hope for those who are worried, in pain, or grieving. Sometimes it is said because there is seemingly nothing else to say. Hopefully, the one who offers thoughts and prayers is using the words as sort of a shorthand, signifying a sincere intent to faithfully remember and give thought to the circumstances of the one who is suffering, as well as a promise to pray for that person and the situation and listen for and respond to God's call and direction in how to be a servant in answer to the prayers that are prayed. My name is Bob Bentley. I live and work in Oneonta, Alabama. I'm a member of a new expression of faith, the Oneonta United Methodist Community. It is odd and sad to me that the beautiful expression of comfort, you are in my thoughts and prayers, has become a source of a little bit of contention in our public discourse. That contention has been sparked most recently by the use of the phrase by public officials in response to the horrible mass shootings in the United States that we are experiencing almost daily. And by way of full disclosure, I am one of those people that cringe, at best, when a public official uses the phrase in that setting. When I hear that same official's clear words, sometimes spoken during the same address, that there will be no action taken to effectively reduce mass killing, as if there is nothing that can be done. Now, my own judgmental attitude in those moments has condemned me as well. How often have I said the same words for lack of anything else to say and failed to be the servant with a commitment it demands? And yet, surely giving comfort to those who are hurting that they are in our thoughts and prayers is a good thing to do. It can give comfort, but its real and enduring value is in our faithful commitment of the holy promise we are making. If we are not committed to that promise, perhaps it would be better to find something else to say. Thoughts and prayers is one of those phrases that we use often, but does not come directly from Scripture. But it is a phrase that is certainly supported by Scripture. Isaiah 49, verses 15 through 16, tells of our God who always keeps us in his thoughts. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these might forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God's covenants in the Hebrew Testament with Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David, all evidence a God who never forgets his children, who has plans for them, and will be active in their lives for generations to assist in the fulfillment of the promises he has made. These stories, as well as the prophets, describe a God who never forgets us and does everything he can to help his children in the journey back to him. It wasn't just thoughts God was having. He raised leaders. He parted seas. He provided means to defeat powerful enemies. He sent manna. He provided water, he gave instruction, and ultimately he came to walk with us as Jesus, God made flesh. 
the characteristics of God are perfectly reflected in Jesus. He describes a new covenant in Luke 22.20 by which we are completely transformed. His beautiful words of assurance in John chapters 14 through 17, as the Last Supper had concluded, summarized the love and concern he had for the disciples he would be leaving, as he would be leaving them soon. Echoing the covenants of old, Jesus told the disciples he was going to prepare a place for them, but he would never forget them or leave them on their own. He had chosen them. Whatever they asked in his name would be provided. The Holy Spirit would be with them always, empowering them. He would be as he had always been while he was with them, a teacher, a healer, a provider. And now he called them friend. And all of those assurances are for us and for all of the present world as well. It is clear from Scripture that we are always in God's thoughts. It is also clear that his thoughts are accompanied by action. Take the stories of Jesus. There were words of concern and love and wonderful prayers, but Jesus must be thought of as a person of action. He came. He was present. He taught. He healed. He fed. He traveled. He defended. He was strong and stood with the weak, the oppressed, the outcast. He served. He sacrificed. He did whatever it took, which in his case was everything. So we are called as followers of Jesus to become like him. This should be our guide for what we are saying when we say, you are in my thoughts and prayers. We must never forget the person we are speaking to and their situation, and we must act as Jesus would act in that situation. Again, if we're not prepared to do so, we probably should not offer our thoughts and prayers. I've always been a fan of Charles Schultz's comic strip, Peanuts. Many years ago, one of those simple strips hit me hard, speaking the gospel of Jesus to me in a different way. In the first frame, Snoopy is sitting near his iconic doghouse, visibly shivering. The snow is coming down strong. Charlie Brown and Linus, warm and toasty in their winter wraps, look over at Snoopy in his miserable condition. Charlie Brown says to Linus, Snoopy looks kind of cold, doesn't he? Linus responds, I'll say he does. Maybe we better go over and comfort him. The next frame shows Charlie Brown and Linus over by Snoopy speaking to him. Linus says, Be of good cheer, Snoopy. Charlie Brown echoes, yes, be of good cheer. The last frame shows Charlie Brown and Linus walking away, with Snoopy still shivering in the cold, with a big question mark and a speech bubble above him. I think that that peanut strip made the point better than anything I had ever read. I looked for scripture to see if there was anything like it. I found my answer in the second chapter of James. In verses 14 through 16, the writer gives us one of the most condemning and instructive statements about the commitment we are making as servants of Jesus when we offer comfort with the words you are in my thoughts and prayers. What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Surely that faith cannot save, can it? If a brother or sister is naked 
and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Words of encouragement can be a balm in someone's time of pain, but words alone are not enough. In fact, if words are all that is offered, it could be harmful. We must follow through with our commitment to pray and be equally committed to the action that God has called us to in order to provide real, tangible help. A few years ago, I was sitting at the music table on an Emmaus walk. A talk was about to begin on Christian action by an older friend named Gatewood. Gatewood reveled in his older and wiser status, a characteristic which drew younger men to him to listen closely. Gatewood was a servant of God. Now, he was a character, mind you, and he enjoyed being a character, and God used him. Whether he was speaking to a group of mainstream middle-class church folk or a bunch of guys dressed in white residing in a prison, forgotten by the world, he was the same old Gatewood to all of us. Anyway, Gatewood began his talk on Christian action. Normally, I listened to every word Gatewood said in those talks. He was an interesting fellow. I wanted to be as committed and effective as he was in his witness. But then he spoke his first line of the talk. If you pray for potatoes, you better get a hoe. I was struck by how profound that simple statement was. So for once in my years of knowing Gatewood, I did not listen to the rest of his talk. Well, I was at the music table, so I wrote a song. It only took about 15 minutes. So I heard a good bit of Gatewood's talk. The sort of funny Southern Gospel-style song that God gave me said, If you pray for potatoes, you better grab a hoe. Better think before you ask, because the Lord is more than show. If you want the Lord to help you, be aware of what you say, because he may walk in wearing overalls and need your help today. If you pray for the hungry, you better get a stove. Better scrounge up some vegetables, multiply some loaves. Intentions good won't feed them. No, they won't satisfy. When the Lord walks in with his apron on, will you be there to peel and fry? If you pray for the lonely... You better gas up your car, because the Lord may want to hitch a ride to places near and far. Excuses give no comfort. No, they won't do it all if you decide to stay at home when the Lord wants to make a call. If we pray for each other, we better unlock our doors, better open up our hearts, we better love a little more for whatever we do to the least of these. We do also unto him. When the Lord wants to give his children a hug, Will you put your arms around them? Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when the only thing to do is pray. And sometimes we can't even find the words to pray. But we must pray whether we have the words or not, and whether there is an answer in action or not. There are many things on my prayer list that fall into that category. If that is so, then I must be relentless in my prayer. Because in those situations, God will find a way. I may not be part of the action which answers the prayer, but God hears my heartfelt concern, and he will find a way. But still, prayer is never a one-way street. 
when I pray, God speaks to my heart. Sometimes God does not communicate any action that I am to take, but he wants me to keep praying. More often, God convicts me of an action to take in a given situation. I have to confess that sometimes, for a lot of different reasons, I have failed to respond to God's call to action. Most of the time, the reason is fear. I am ashamed of those times, but sometimes I have responded. It is through those times that I have learned of the goodness and power of God, as I get to see firsthand how He works through us, flawed as we are. I believe that when we say, You are in my thoughts and prayers, we are expressing our intent to be like Jesus in whatever the situation is. To be like Jesus is not an aspiration to be taken lightly. It is a call to remember rather than forget, to find the way to serve and possibly sacrifice, to heal, to serve, to feed, to house, to clothe, to visit, to affirm, to redeem, to save, to defend, to risk everything, all done in the selfless love of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, if that is not what we mean when we say, you are in my thoughts and prayers. Maybe we should say nothing at all. Please join me as I offer a prayer. Holy God, we are thankful for your presence in our lives always. As Creator, as Jesus, as the Holy Spirit, we know that you are a constant presence in our lives that never fails us, never will desert us. We believe that we are always in your thoughts and that you act in our lives always out of your abiding love for us. Your love never fails. Help us to be like you as we offer others our thoughts and prayers. Draw us to you in prayer. Speak to us as to how we can be a help to our sisters and brothers and help us to act, to be bold in our love as you taught us, as you walked among us as Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we make this prayer. Amen.